Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to My Songs Suck, the show where we listen to bad songs from good writers. I'm Alex Smith and I'm a musician. I'm James Keogh and I'm the friend of a musician. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to My Songs Suck. We are back with another episode. My name is James Keogh. And I'm Alex Smith. And we have a fantastic guest with us today. We've got Nick O'Donnell from the band 26, but also, uh, and more importantly to me personally, uh, the producer of uh, my EP, Guilty. And he's done a fantastic job. He's had a long and impressive career musically. Uh, But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Nick? This is less of a surprise now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm uh, a producer, singer, songwriter, um, multi-instrumentalist. I play drums, bass, guitar, uh, keyboard, sing, uh, sing and play guitar in a band called 26. We've toured around the world and done lots of good things and had some television and some um, radio, television in the US and radio in the UK. Along with a bunch of other things, won some awards and things like that, but I'm not going to bore you, bore you with that stuff. Uh, <laughs> and you can, I'm sure you can find a bio somewhere. Probably, it's probably something wrong on Wiki Wikipedia or something like that. Uh, and um, I'm also, I've got a side project called St Hughes, which is electronic stuff, which is the extra bits that we are uh, drew and myself from 26 right that don't fit into the 26 catalog. And I've got a few other side projects as well that I I do, but these days, more more often than not, I'm finding myself producing people like Alex and many others, but uh, and playing on on their records and mixing their records and mastering their records even, and hmm. also helping them with marketing and things like that. Because I'm cool. also from 20 years of advertising. Yeah. All right, cool. So I just nice. dated myself. <laughs> nice. You're doing great. You're doing great. And uh, how long have you and you two working together, Nick and, and Alex? You go, Alex. Uh, I believe since 2016. That's when I had uh, enough money to get in touch, because uh, producing producing is an expensive but worth the money kind of business. Hmm. It's all yeah. man. It's all man hours at the end of the day. As Alex yeah. found out, you know, it's it's yeah. lot producing artists is lots of um, working with the artist and getting the songs right. Then lots of recording time. Well, the way I produce, I'm recording as well. And also mm. mixing, so it's a long process from from writing the songs, working the songs, and then finishing the tracks in the end. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Well, you've brought us a uh, track from your your early years, uh, from from a, a while ago. One called uh, "Walking Straight." Is that right? Yeah, it's from a band that I was in. Um, we were called Flood Boy. Uh, we were together for about nine or ten years, high school buddies. Um, mm. We were signed. Well, we were had deals with record labels and publishing uh, contracts and things like that. None of them ever went anywhere. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Warner Festival, uh, Mushroom, all, all sorts. Um, but yeah, nothing ever really went anywhere over the ten years. We never ended up releasing everything, anything, because it it all sort of got put to the wayside because no, nobody was ever happy and we weren't ever happy and the labels weren't ever happy. So, But the really great thing about this was the learning curve was amazing and pretty much everything that could happen to, to a band did happen to us. Mm. Uh, so, and, and so it was, it was fantastic. But what I did was, just to humor you guys, is I tried to find the earliest, worst re- recording that we had. So <laughs> we had a tape. Again, dating myself, we had a tape that we sent to the record labels and on that tape was five songs and I could have picked any of the five songs and this is the one that I picked the most. Uh, the, the one that I picked <laughs> that sucked the most. To fit in Fantastic. With your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, it's, it's the kindest thing I could do. 
<laughs> yeah, it fits the theme. Yeah, exactly. the more terrible, the better. Yeah. Was this a song that you you produced yourself? Because you said you won like competitions and were offered offered deals and stuff. So this is one that you you made yourself. This was something that would have probably been. Well, this was okay. We're talking. You were you probably weren't born. You two. <laughs> Probably um, not, no. This was 95-ish, um, uh, 90, 96. I was kicking around. I was you three. were kicking around. Yeah, good. Yeah, see, there you go. Um, <laughs> so it was, well, that would have, yeah, we would have started recording some stuff on tape. I believe it was probably a recording uh, that we did with friends. A lot of friends were going to the Conservatorium of Music, Alex. Hey. Um, and they were um, studying Synology, it was called at the time, which was a sound technology engineering course. I don't know what it's called now, if it even exists. That's my course. It's music tech. Yeah, oh, and right. it was recording to tape back then with through a big oh, Neve no. console. It was a beautiful big Neve mixing console through to tape. So probably oh, some of the stuff was um, done on a sampler and – then we would have recorded all of the actual, you know, drums, bass, guitar, vocals in the studio at, I'm guessing the old con, maybe the new con. It was in the, when they were transitioning from one to the other. Hmm. Nice. Well, let's uh, take a listen, shall we? Oh, oh is there anything you want us to? to? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want us to know about it before going in? Any sort of like, now bear in mind kind of comments? Oh, okay. I did want to, yeah, I did want to say one thing. And it's mm-hmm. something that I notice when I'm producing young bands all the time or young singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I mentioned the five tracks off the, the tape that we made was uh, something that young artists tend to do, or when I say young artists, I, mean, I also mean green artists as well. They tend to try to mimic everybody that they like and they haven't honed in on what they, they – lo- they know what they hate but they haven't honed in on what they actually like. So they yeah, right. they like this and they like that. And I listened to the five songs and I could have told you we were trying to be you two. We were trying to be the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We were trying to be Boom Crash Opera, which you guys probably don't even know who they are. Um, <laughs> we were trying to be, well, I don't know, two other bands. And we had these five songs and we hadn't decided what we were yet. So this one was us trying to be Boom Crash Opera. And ah. so there you go. It it was us, not knowingly, but, you know, unknowingly, if that's even a word, mm. um, <laughs> just mimicking your favourite bands. It's, it's what a, a lot of young young artists do. Lots of young, young bands do it. So keep that in mind and you'll hear okay. it, I'm sure, if you know what Boom Crash Up sounds like. Right, well, I'll check them out afterwards out of curiosity. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I Were you I born reckon- yet, James? I probably would not have been, no. If, if this is 95, <laughs> oh, little, no. Little, you could be my son. That's <laughs> well, Zane, if, you, if you'd like to, to spin Walking Straight by Flood Boy. Feet firmly off the ground, been walking around 
And that was Walking Straight with a with Nick O'Donnell's band Flood Boy. How do you how do you feel, Nick? Uh, I feel terrible. <laughs> thank, thank <laughs> you. Honestly, you you guys you you know how terrible I felt. I, I you yeah. could hear me moaning and groaning as we were listening to it. You did have some some interesting comments to say during the the listening. This yeah, is what well, it's all about. I was about. actually listening to it um, as a producer. You know, we're talking about producing artists and and how we pull apart songs and stuff. And I was listening to it as a producer. It was very interesting. It, when mm. I even finding the the old tapes and to send to you, I, I pulled them out and I was thinking, wow, there's so many things I could do with this band that they had no idea what they were doing. Mm. Right, you're listening to it with a different ear now that you know kind of all of the. The pitfalls and the the stuff that you know yeah. can easily go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing because there are, there are like some obvious thoughts that you, that a, a listener might have, but also you mentioned like the hi hat is so loud, and I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah, that's what it is. Hmm. So yeah, you still you've got them very loud. You've got them <laughs> producing ears, so you can hear them things that we can't uh, we can't hear necessarily. Oh look, um, for a first attempt, it wasn't terrible. You know, it was. When I say first attempt, there was probably recordings before that, but it was like the first tape we ever put together and um, it probably wasn't terrible considering our age and our experience, but you can't, you don't put music out into the world considering age and experience. You put it out into the world against other people's music, like, mm, you know, true. so you have well, to, it, yeah. It sounds really good, like. Like it's obviously it's not like the best song in the world, but like when when you're like this is my song that sucks, I was like no, no grumble grumble, this song's really good. What's he talking about? <laughs> like it sounds very well produced. Um, uh, look, I think we had an idea at that stage. Thinking back, we were playing lots of covers gigs, so when you play other people's songs, you tend to understand structure without even really knowing it. You you understand how long an intro goes for. The intro in that song was too too long. The you know there's so many structural problems with that song. I mean, you think you're going to the chorus, and for some reason I don't know why. In the first time we were supposed to go to the chorus, the we sang some other bit that never happens in the song ever again. <laughs> <laughs> what what's that about? It's it's very odd. The whole thing's very odd. It starts with a chorus, which is cool, I guess. Mm. I don't know what we were thinking then. <laughs> then it goes to a verse. Are you going to talk about this, Alex, or do you? Am I wrecking it for you? No, no, you're doing great. The structure is hilarious. It goes <laughs> chorus, verse, pre-chorus, but then it goes to something that isn't a chorus. Then it goes back to the verse again. I think. Then it goes mm-hmm. to to a chorus that we stated right at the beginning of the song. Then it goes to a weird bridge bit that doesn't have anything happening in it. Which I was t- telling the guys while we were listening, it sounds like it sounded like all we were doing it for for the was for the payoff of the big drop at the end, which wasn't really was a much drop. of a payoff. It was a good <laughs> drop, but the harmonies were terrible once we came back in. But we thought they were good, I'm sure. Uh, and then yeah, you goes, mentioned that um, it goes to that, seventeen choruses at the end of the song. Like yes, do it <laughs> just once. repeat infinitum. <laughs> But that was the time where everybody was telling us all these different things. Record companies were talking to us saying, you need to get to the chorus straight away. And, mm. you know, you know, we went, so we took it literally. We, we put the chorus straight away or they said, you know, <laughs> the chorus is the most important part. So we re- repeated it however many ridiculous times at the end. You know, it's, it's just funny. When you're young, you, you take everybody's advice and you probably should take nobody's and just be a bit, a bit original. But anyway. Did you f- feel happy with it in in the way it was when you kind of first made it? I'm sure we were stoked. You know, it's the it's the it's the little lie that all, all of us musicians tell the world because we're trying to be cool that we just don't care, man. We just don't care. It's like mm. I don't care. I just release it for me. It's just for me. But the truth <laughs> is, uh, Alex, I hope you haven't said that about any of your songs. Um, but um, you know, it's. The truth is we're, tr- we're all searching. Well, I believe the truth is anyway. We're all searching for music that we want to hear. It's a culmination of all of the music we've ever listened to, including when we were a kid and the music we were listening to right then when we were recording it all. And it all mm. smashes together. And you want to make this music that, that it, it appeals to you. And when you finish it, you're so happy. You, it's yeah. the... Alex, you might be able to attest to this. I don't know, but 
I find when I'm producing records, there's the exciting bit when you first put the demo down and you get that initial or the the bed of the the song, you get that rush of it feels great. And then you go through a time where it stagnates a bit and you have a funny, like, you have a funny relationship with the song. And then you hit this three-quarter mark where everything's locking together and all of the instruments are in and the final vocal's there and the mix isn't done, but you're getting a picture of the song and you get all excited again and you listen to it way too many times and you share it back and forth and, (laughs) and you show your friends when it's not finished, you probably shouldn't. And then right at the end, you only get one other time of excitement is when you've actually finished it and you're just about to press it to whatever, press it to CD or send it to iTunes or whatever. You get this final rush. You listen to the whole album or the whole EP or the you listen to your single and you get all the tingles listening to it like a fan and then you never have that feeling again. Yeah, Pretty much. Unless you play it live on the odd occasion, you get the feeling back. You get that, oh, I remember where this song came from. I remember the horrible breakup I had or I remember the whatever it was. Um, But but it's a lie, I think, that a lot of musicians tell themselves in the world that they don't love their music at the time. That was a really long answer. Sorry, James. But, no, 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 it was good, it, man. It was the general Podcast. the general gist is, you know, I, I do think that that musicians, if they don't love their song at the end, then why even release it? Mm. You know. So they must do, mm. surely. Is that right, Alex? Is that right? Are, are you in love no, with ab- it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The day the day you release it, you the, the, you're never going to be more in love with it than that day. And then maybe six months down the track you'll start picking holes in it again or not listen to it ever again. But you you're like- in love with it that day, aren't you? You just absolutely are gushing. I, I like the point where because yeah, you release it and then after a bit of time, you listen to it a bit more critically and you're like, ah, oh, here are all the things wrong with it. And then if you leave it for like a year or so, then you forget because you're very you're too close to it. Yeah. And then you forget all the little nitty bits and you listen to it like just a, a fresh set of ears and you're like, yeah, this is pretty good. Like I'm I'm just starting to be able to listen to Crazy Days again, being like, yeah, it's a bit of a bop. Whereas Guilty, I'm still like. Oh, like remembering all the the stuff that I did and being like, oh, why did I write this? I should have had like a different thing here, you know. Oh, but no, but Alex, still- Guilty is a great EP, <laughs> so you shouldn't beat yourself up about it. It's fantastic. It's really yeah, good, sure. and it's and it's so Alex Smith. It's not funny, and that's all. <laughs> that's all I was aiming for when we were working together was just I wanted to. I whenever I work with an artist, I want to try to get them onto record. I want to try to get them. Like them, their essence. What is it that their they unique do? Sound, yeah. Because there's nothing, there's nobody else that can be. I was saying this to somebody the other day. It might have even been you, Alex. I can't remember. I think so. We're but, talking about your podcast. But I was just saying it's really, uh, it's no, you might, there might be a better guitarist than you. There might be a better singer than you. There probably is. You never, you, unless you're running a hundred meter race, there's no best in the world. So mm. you're the only thing you can be is the best version of yourself. And Thanks. nobody else can be you. Nobody else can be Alex Smith. Nobody else can be Nick O'Donnell. You know, so mm-hmm. it's it's what. So I'm always looking for the essence of somebody on a record. Now, the essence of going back to your your song sucks. Trying to trying mm. to bring it back for you guys. The essence of that band, Floodboy, at that time that when we recorded that song, was four really green school friends that were trying to write songs. And we were playing lots of covers gigs, so all of our songs sounded like covers of bands we liked. Hmm. You, you hmm. know, it's it's that's the, one of the other things that I notice about young bands is not only do they try to write all of their favourite artists' songs, uh, versions of, but they also, if they're playing a lot of covers, they tend to, the songs sound like covers. Yeah, they absorb right, them. Yeah. They absorb all of the progressions <laughs> and absorb all the melodies and things. And they they start to sound very generic at first. You mentioned they sounded like uh, that band, which I've already forgotten. Boom, but boom, I, crash I thought opera. that's the one. But um, I, I actually wrote down that I thought they sounded very U2. Kind of oh, quite really? U2, I thought. Well, yeah. that's interesting you say that because that was probably our biggest influence. And probably nice. from a band point of view, from even from what I do now, um, U2's probably like it, it's probably the, uh, the blueprint of, of what I do. 
you mm-hmm. two and you two really at the in the grand scheme of things, you two's blueprint is the Beatles. It's four guys mm. in a band where the band matters and where the songs matter, you know. And you look at all of the four piece guy bands, they're all really just a blueprint of the Beatles. Mm. Um and so I guess I got to the Beatles through U2, but we were very heavily influenced by U2. Um, mm. they, had the ex- the, they had the aesthetic that we liked and also they weren't overly virtuosic players and we liked that because <laughs> we weren't virtuosic players. So we were really endeared to them. They were very much from that, that punk movement that came out of the mm. late 70s into the 80s and, I mean, I'm even a child of that era. It, in a, in a way, because my my brothers listen to that music as well. So, yeah. Okay, I want you to pull it apart, Alex. I I don't want to run this show anymore. I'm I'm talking Ooh. way too much. Right. Well, I've got Go. a I've got good notes and other notes. <laughs> I've got the good, <laughs> do you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, would you like the the good uh, the good go notes? For or it. The other I, I want them all. I think it's hilarious. We're both uh, well, we're both producing this young band together. <laughs> we're co-producing this young band together. Go. Well, uh, it's got a very polished sound for where it is, considering it's a very, very good demo track. It's a, like if this were a band presenting me with this demo track, I'd be very impressed. Just at like the the quality of it, um, really good energy. Uh, it's a bop. I like it. Uh, I've written good structure, but <laughs> since the conversation we've had, I've realized it's actually not at all good structure, and I'm a dingus. Um, but uh, the bad things is that uh, it's it's a bit repetitive, uh, but totally. mainly the end. We kind of hit that chorus groove and just kind of stay there for the rest of our lives. Um, a little bit of mixing stuff, um, and it's better to listen to it with headphones to pick this up because I listened to it on my uh, phone speakers the first time, and I was like, ah, this sounds great. But um, if you if you got your good your good sweet uh headphones on. Um, yeah, there's just some level stuff. Like I think the vocals uh, sound a little bit dry. Like they don't quite sit in with the rest of it. And bearing in mind, I'm not a producer. So I could be saying like the exact opposite of what the problem is. Um, but I'm trying to improve my, oh, my I, mixing ears. I think most of it, most of it, you know, a lot of the times you don't realize that, you know, you can pick all of the mixing things in the world. But a lot of the times it's just the performance isn't great. Like the mm. reason why the vocals stick out to me is because all of the vocals are sort of out of tune. Then none of them are quite in tune with each other. So it mm. to, so then you think that it sounds dry because <laughs> you want it to be wet to drown out all of the horrible, you know, the horrible tuning and stuff. I, it's an interesting thing. But keep on going. I love it. This is fun. Also, uh, James, mm. do you do you know what dry and wet means? I don't actually know what dry or wet means. So uh, a dry vocal is a vocal that's been untouched mainly. Like not untouched, but just no like No reverb, no delay. Yeah, no oh, reverb. Gotcha, yep. And the, the wetter a vocal is, that's usually, usually it refers to reverb, but like, yeah, like reverb delay or I think any kind of effect. Hmm. But I don't sometimes really know. Like people can get yeah. a little bit confused because delays mm-hmm. can sometimes sound like reverb. But at the end yeah. of the day, so the difference between reverb and delay, James, if you want to really strip it down, is reverb puts you in a space, like as in it makes you feel like you're in a room or in a hall or in a tunnel. And delay is that echo effect that, you know, repeats on, on itself. So it's like a, it can be a quick slap, the like 80s. it can be a quick slap like Elvis, like a da-da, mm. or like John Lennon, like Beatles is very quick slap delay, like da-da, like that. And a long delay is quite often timed to the song, like so the the singer might go da 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 like that. So then it's in time with the song, or it's mm. um, in quarter notes or in eighth notes, or what you can time it differently, or it can be completely out of time with the song. But that's when people say a wet or dry vocal. Usually, that means how much reverb and delay it has or doesn't have on it. So cool. It's cool that there's so much to that and how much that influences in little ways that, that someone wouldn't be like someone like myself would not be able to pick up. But um, yeah. the degree to which you do that, like obviously affects so much of, of the song and, and is noticeable to a, a producer's ears. That's cool. Well, it's what mm. you're trying to do when you're producing a song you're, and mm. mixing a song. You're trying to make, you're trying to highlight 
what it is that the song's about and you're trying to put the person in the room with that song. So if the song's an overly, if it's a moody song and it, and it needs to be, um, needs to be somber, etc. You don't want it to sound bright. You don't want the vocals to be too bright. You don't want the mix to be too bright. You don't mm. want the reverbs and the room sounds to be too bright. You want everything to be a bit dull and dark sounding. And if you want something to sound happy, you you have brighter sounds, brighter reverbs. Maybe you know you can put somebody in a space by having more reverb or less reverb. Then there's all sorts of tricks that you can do that where you can. I can manipulate the way that you are thinking by having a drier vocal in the verse but a wetter vocal in the chorus. So it makes you all uplifted because it feels like the room's opened up all of a sudden and it sounds like the the singer's singing louder and it's exciting the room more but I've just Mm. put more reverb on the voice and it's really quite controlled. So that's what you're always after when you're producing a song and mixing a song. You're trying to... uh, Find out what the key to the song is. Find out what the the thread that goes through and what the story is and how you're supposed to feel and then try to make that with – you're trying to cover all of the four or five senses with one sense, which is hearing. And 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 what would you say with with Walking Straight, what what would be that – if you were producing that now, what would be that kind of thread that um, kind of – Okay, so it's trying to be a – uh, I, I guess the lyrics, God, I can't really remember what the lyrics are about, but it's basically, I think it was about what we were doing when we were 18, 19, 20, drinking and having fun times, you know. Mm. It was about, it was about I, I think it was about, you know, sort of stumbling around drunk and not having a care in the world. Um, mm. And also probably the verses were about questioning what you were going to do with your life or something, I'm guessing, I, I um, without <laughs> analysing them. So, yeah. you know, that you'd have a... You'd have a producer with a, a brighter party vibe, you know. Um, it's obviously an up song, as as Alex said. It's quite boppy, so um, you you know, brighter reverbs, brighter room sounds, brighter drum sounds, etc. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was kind of there, but again, it's the it's the performance that lets it down more than anything, it, and the the song structure and things like that. But anyway, do you have any more, Alex? I'm I'm really interested. This is this is fun. It's like you're producing my shit band when I was a kid. <laughs> the roles of reverse. It's, yeah, it's, it's like some sort of uh, revenge. It's production <laughs> revenge. Well, I feel like I I run the risk of uh, making a fool of myself because I, yeah. I don't know hugely about production. Um, well, I, I'm a I'm a song I'm a song structure boy. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a lyric I'm a lyric and chords and song structure boy, mm, but I, okay. I can't really do the uh, the tweaking, and like the the stuff to make it actually sound good, which is uh, not a, a good trait in a musician. <laughs> no, no, uh, uh, it's it's actually not it's not uncommon. It's completely a common thing. It's taken me a long time to know all of these things. It's taken me the nine or ten years of a failed band and multiple recordings over multiple years. And then doing 20 years of recording on my own home setups, starting from four-track tape, moving into computers, you know, crappy PCs onto Macs and gradually getting better and better setups and thinking about all of these things that we just talked about, you know, um, how uh, how the mood of the room changes the lyric, what's the lyric about, talking to the artist, asking them how they were feeling at the time, um, asking them, um, uh, is there a place or a, cin- uh, a cinematography to what their song is like? Uh, is it about driving on a sunny day with the top down? Um, you know, is it about um, a dark night and it's just started pouring down rain on me? Or is it, you know, it's putting you in the place. It's putting you in, in the place of the song. I heard somebody really... Mm. I heard a really great, um, a, a really great quote from a from a producer that I'm going to completely butcher. But the the idea was, um, people were discrediting pro- what production does for a song, um, saying that you know the song's the song and it doesn't matter how you produce it. And the producer said, "No, um, I don't believe that. I believe that the song gets you half the way there, but the recording and the production puts you in that place." So the the recording and the production 
it doesn't just the song takes you back to 1985, but the production and the recording take you back to the autumn day where it's misty and cold, mm. and you know, and that's what you're adding. You're you're augmenting what the song's about, and you're taking it to the next level because people don't remember the song; people remember the recording, and mm. it's all attached. It was actually um, uh, the singer from Smashing Pumpkins that was saying that. He was saying, mm. you know, he was talking about how his um, he he's now gone back to playing the all of the old songs the way they were recorded because his fans have a relationship with the way that sounded and it takes them back to that time. And what he was doing was robbing them of that nostalgia by playing it differently to how it was recorded. Hmm. So I thought that was a beautiful way of describing what it is that I do now, which is producing. Yeah, definitely. You, you've given me, um, whether intentionally or not, you, you've said uh, one of the, the biggest life lessons that I live by uh, which is the difference between bad and good is great, but the difference between good and great is tiny. Yeah. Which is now why I'm a pedantic fuck all the time. <laughs> Much to James and uh, Curtis's chagrin when it comes to creative processes. Oh, it's good. Because I'm always like, no, the difference is tiny. You gotta do what yeah. it takes to get the get right. It shows though. If the you put in like I would the, say yeah. as a as a caveat to that though, um, Alex is what I would say, though, is your definition of great needs to be not correlated to your definition of perfection because Ooh. great isn't perfect. Great is something that makes, especially in music or in art, great's not perfection. Great is what makes you m- most moved, what gets the most rise out of people or the most emotion out of people is great. So I have found that quantized auto-tuned perfect stuff is like totally lifeless and like yeah. you said it's all the the tiny mistakes that make something great it's the nuance it's you'd think it'd be the opposite well i think there's a reason why people don't sell as much music now it's the internet and all of those things but it's also the fact that everything sounds generic and that's not mm. just old person speak it's music's getting more and more generic because everybody's using um, quantizing and pitch and, and vocal tuning and using perfect recordings of pianos and things that have been sampled beautifully, but they're all perfectly in tune. And they're, once they play it in themselves, they're, they're, uh, I should also explain what quantizing is for the, the people that don't know, is that it's putting everything perfectly in time. Um, and, yeah, perfectly in tune. So you're robbing... You're robbing the listener of all of the things that you actually love about an artist is their imperfection. So mm. I'm a, I'm actually on a real um, push to try to make music, especially rock music, but you know alternative music. Let's say, make it more um, um, believable again. Make it more real. Well, well more yeah, human, it was yeah. A, it was a bit of a, a struggle, but guilty was a hundred percent legit and mm. that was something that we pride prided ourselves on yeah which was tricky when i wasn't necessarily great at singing all the time so it'd just be <laughs> many 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 hours in the booth getting the takes yep and one of the biggest things for a singer is psychology it's it's getting out of your head and not mm. beating yourself up because it's the hardest instrument to record it's yeah uh, because if a guitar goes out of tune you say hey wait up guys i just got to tune the guitar if your yeah. voice starts going out of tune or cracking or you start getting in your own head, you tighten, the muscles tighten up. And singing mm. in tune is all about getting muscles to be right. Is When I want to sing a C, then my muscles know, in oddly, my muscles can tell what they have to do to make a C or a D or an E or whatever it is. The muscles have been trained in a way that they know how to do that. And if you're not healthy if you haven't slept if you if you're in your own head and you're beating yourself up it, everything changes and it it tightens up and then you can't sing in tune and then the more you can't sing in tune the more you can't sing in tune and it's just yeah. a it's a horrible thing but um I'd rather get it right than tune it you know because people know even if you don't know you know 
that's the th- that's the scary thing about it. I have an interesting question for a music person. Are you ready? Okay, go. Is when this for me? Was, or are you asking James? This is for you. This is for you. I, want to hear I am not talk. a music person. <laughs> All right, I'll ask the question. Damn. Then. No, no, no. Okay, Alex, go, go. You, you go. <laughs> and then James, you go. go. All right, great. I, I want got to hear shut this down. Interesting question. Go. I was going to say, when was your big break? Um, there is no such thing. Um, uh, if you if you had to say you had a big break. Yeah, no, there, I don't believe in big breaks, but okay. So the biggest one, the biggest thing that I, I could see as career changing was having the song on American television, having a new beginning on American, American television. Um, mm. That allowed us to do a bunch of other things. But in saying that, if we didn't do a whole bunch of other things and small successes one after the other, little successes one after the other, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to get on the American television. So uh, one of the biggest mistakes musicians make is they think that there is this big overnight success moment when the truth is persistence is the thing that makes a music career and it's daily persistence and it's small wins. It's not big wins. One of the things my partner, she always says to me, you, didn't, you never get excited about anything that good, good that happens. I've been doing it for long enough to know that it's not, there's never a necessarily a big win. It's the big win, the small win affords you another opportunity to have another win or a loss or how, whatever you do with it. So yeah, more and more I'm realizing that it's, yeah, it's the persistence that's the thing that gets you a career. It's, it's not the, one thing it's not the and this is why i have so many problems with those singing shows etc because they because you hear people say oh this is my last chance i'm 22 years old and i've been doing music all my life and you go (laughs) all your life isn't even as long as i've been doing it as a grown-up you know Mm -hmm. and you're 22 years old and you haven't even lived yet so you haven't been doing it all your life you've only been doing it since you were about maybe 13, which isn't that long compared to many other people. And this isn't your last chance. This is only a chance to get a little bit of recognition. And then, then even if you won the thing, you still got to work your butt off to get the next opportunity. Like you think of all the people that have won or come second or top 10 in any of those singing shows. And it's only the ones that have worked their ass off afterwards that have got anywhere. Mm. It's, it's not the ones that have gone, yay, I won. Now it's all going to come to me. So that's the way I look at all, all of the, the successes. They're Did you ever just have a small? Oh, sorry. Go, go for it. I was just going to ask, uh, in your particular path, where you're getting these small successes, did it ever seem like there was a time where, where you weren't kind of going on that path? And it, it, you, did you ever want to give up? Um, uh, funnily enough, the only time – and I don't take it I, – I was thinking about this. I always think about this moment. I've never actually wanted to give up, and this might mm. sound rather macabre, but I can only correlate it to something that I can only imagine somebody would think about. If somebody is thinking about taking their life, um, they, you know, they think they've thought about it, maybe the process or whatever – I am not a person that can actually, I don't know if this makes any sense, this analogy, but I'm not actually a person that can even contemplate that. So mm. it's the same with music for me. I, in the truth of me is I couldn't even contemplate music, not in my life, but I did have a down moment. And oddly enough, this is not a fabrication of, of time and, and truth. This is the absolute truth. I went and saw one of my favorite bands, elbow from there from the UK. They are also um, good friends of mine now, particularly the drummer. I do a little side project with him that we're working together on. And they're like one of UK's biggest bands still are to this day. Um, And I went and saw them before I met them. And I had that experience, which many young musicians had, Alex, you can, I'm sure you can attest to this where at first you're inspired by a band when you go and see them. And then as you get older and more experienced, you, you see a band and they're so good and you go, oh, shit, I'll never be that good. I may as well just give up. <laughs> I don't know if you've had that, Alex. You might be overly confident or confused or something like that. But <laughs> no, I've had, I've had it. that. 
I've had it many no. times. So yeah. I went and saw Elbow. They were amazing. I got up the next morning, probably didn't have enough sleep, probably drank too much as well the night before, and I got up in a foul <laughs> mood and I thought, that's the closest I ever got to, uh, maybe I should just not do it anymore. And that wow. is literally the exact day we got contacted by the people from NBC to put the song on, on American television. Which oh, went out to 20, it went out to 25 countries and I think it got uh, seen by uh, about 20, oddly, about 25, 26 million people. That's incredible. Jeez. So, fate, you know, it's... Yeah, but that's the closest I've ever got and it wasn't really the truth. It was just me being down on myself going, oh, maybe I should just not bother. But mm. no, mm. I've never thought about selling my gear or anything like that. No, nothing like that. I think if it's in you, it's in you. I think if you don't have that persistence in life as a musician, you know the person, you know the person that did music at high school and wanted to be in a band and then they gave up, you mm. know? Yeah. There's probably hundreds of them in your life or, okay, maybe tens of, of them in your life that were a musician that loved music, that all they ever did was talk about music and then they became a grown-up and they thought, oh, I'm going to sell my guitar now. I'm, I never play it anymore. And then there's yeah. the rest of us and <laughs> you, you're not going to throw the rest of us off if we're committed to a to a life of music, even if yeah. it's just hobby. You know, there's plenty of, plenty of 50-year-olds that have guitar collections that love just sitting in front of their amp and playing guitar every weekend. You're not going to stop that person from loving it. Well, do you have any any tips for those those people who are still hanging on, or any of those starting songwriters or producers? You're you're a, you're a very good producer guest. We've had a few musicians, but you're a skilled, seasoned, excellent producer. Uh, what would you have to say to someone starting out? I can um, understand this is putting you on the spot a bit as well. No, no, <laughs> so. Oh, look, there's no I, – I, I sort of shy away from these sorts of things because there's no magic bullet. I think what a lot of younger green people are looking for is just do this, this, and this, and everything will be great. But mm. that's just not the truth. Like I said, the, the truth is persistence and small wins and a bunch mm -hmm. of failures – the music industry or making music and releasing it is so much easier than it used to be. When you wanted to release music before, because studios, I mean, we were talking about, you know, the cost of me producing and mixing a song, Alex. I, I used to spend, the band, the band that I was in, we used to spend $10,000 a song. Jeez. So, and it, it was either us doing our full-time jobs to, in order to pay for that or it was a record label that you could get interested enough to pay for some demos. But that was the reality of, of the time you'd spend in a studio back then, you know. So um, it's persistence, it's small wins, it's thinking laterally, it's, it's a bunch of things that, that I could go into them and, and, you know, go into heavy detail, but really it's not something you could cover on a podca podcast. I just, mm, I really hate to think that there's people out there thinking that they can go on a singing show and then they're going to be made or once they've finished their album, everything's going to be great and everyone's going to love them. You know, it's just, there's just too many things that you've got to do all in the one go. One thing I can say though, for sure, is if you keep on doing something daily and you keep on chipping away at it, it's obvious. If you do three things a day or two, even one thing a day, you're going to be far closer than to something happening than, not, than if you do nothing in the day. So, um, you know, and also I, one thing I've noticed, anytime I, we've had, a, had management or agents or anything like that, we've had agents and management in the US and the UK and in, in Australia, anytime I've dropped the ball and not been the person um, pushing for my career and I've th thought that they would do the job for me, I was completely misguided in, in that thought and it f just fell apart and then you'd, be, you'd spend all that time crawling back trying to get back the momentum you had before you were with that manager or agent, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's calling the, um, the venues and hassling the venues for a gig. It's 
it's um you know contacting publishers and contacting not even doing that necessarily anymore but you know getting your songs up getting being on social media all of those things to, together all of those things combined make a career and if you don't do them all then somebody else is and they're the people that are making careers so it's persistence and a daily connection are you still persisting in your career or have you, have you reached kind of a point where you're doing exactly what you want to do? Um, oh, God, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've just, that's the other, okay, that's the other thing I can say is the old man in the room is um, the other thing you don't realise about it, your music career, if you're going to continue it, is that it will morph from one thing to the next. and you can either push back and try to be a rock star forever or you can find yourself in a different position. So I'm still making my music and if the opportunity presents itself, I'll be out playing live again, etc. But I got asked by a bunch of people because they heard my band's music and they found out I recorded it and mixed it and produced it to produce and mix and record them. And so I found myself through just a fluke of of life that I'm producing and mixing other people's stuff and absolutely loving it. So it's sort of just taken a priority. So now I'm just pushing that and working at that daily. Um, it's get, it's getting me some good money and it's um, I'm still doing music. I, I played all over Alex's record. I, I play all over all of the people that I work with. So um you know, I still get to exercise my instruments and I even sing backing vocals on some of Alex's stuff and I do that regularly on other people's things. So, yeah, it always changes. You never you never know what's going to happen. And Fantastic. Yeah, just keep on moving. You just keep on moving forward and sideways and <laughs> in <laughs> three different directions at once. <laughs> Seems like you've come a, a long way from walking straight. Ah, <laughs> uh, this guy! <laughs> wow. Jesus that was Christ. that was a dad joke. Uh, you Thank sure? you. <sighs> Yikes! Wow. <laughs> Alex, um, did you have anything to add? I think that's. I think that that pretty much put an <laughs> end to it. I, I don't really want to continue. I did kill after the that. conversation. You're right. Yeah. It was a good pun, but I don't <laughs> think anything could top that. That was so quick. Uh, look, we are we are coming to the uh, the end of the episode. Um, is there anything that you, yeah, or, well, is there anyone you want to try, try and get on the show next to interview? Because you you got many fingers and many musical pies. Uh, who do you reckon we should try and get in for the for the episode? And we will say thank you for being on. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like that's kind of an end 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 kind of comment. But yes, thank you for being on. Well, thank you. It was a <laughs> it you. was a delight. I hope I didn't um, talk your ear off, all both of you, all of you. That was no, great. I can, I once I get delight. started on music, I just talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of insight. It's great. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's just a, a crude knowledge over a long period of time and mm. doing lots of things. That's the other thing that a musician can do is just be informed, um, talk to all, you know, do all of the things that a manager would do once you get to the point of that. Make sure you've booked gigs yourself. Make sure you've organized back lines at gigs and Make sure you've learnt how to write and make sure you know how to um, register your songs with APRA and try do everything so that then when you do have a manager or an agent or something, you can actually ask them the right questions. Hopefully mm. you get to that stage and then you can say, hey, what's happening with our royalties on that song placement in the States? When mm. when we're seeing that, what, have you chased that up? You know, you, you know what you're chasing. You're not flying blind. So... I mean, it's a different game now. A lot of people are doing everything themselves anyway. So, but it's just good to be over everything. It's a real, it's a, that's what, how you've got to have a music career. Just know what you're doing. Absolutely. Do you have anything uh, coming up? This episode goes out, uh, when does it go out? Uh, I think 11th, May 11th. May 11th. So do you have anything to to plug, anything you want to let the audiences know about, Nick? Well, uh, I will have, I, I keep on promising the guys in the band um, that I will have a 26 record at some point this year. Cool. I think that might be oh, pushing awesome. it. Um, <laughs> St. Hughes is well, on the, 
St. Hughes, our electronic project is um, on a year off so that we can finish 26. The good thing about being in the in a side project with the person in the band is that you can put things off. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that I would love to plug um, uh, from a production, mixing, mastering point of view is uh, and songwriting, et cetera, is um, I've started doing um, uh, pro- my, all my production work of, uh, and I'm also starting a podcast soon. So look out for it. Um, it's called Make Music Not War. Um, uh, you'll be able to find links in the um, podcast notes. I ho- I'm hoping I've sent you those. And yes. I'm just starting up. I've just started up a Facebook page and Instagram page, etc. And all my production and, and stuff, mixing will be through that. But also there'll be a podcast shortly where I'll be interviewing a bunch of people, hopefully getting less jibber-jabber than my episode of uh, <laughs> the song sucks and hopefully uh, uh, w- what the uh, podcast is going to be about is trying to get to the bottom of um, production and songs and the emotion side and the psychology rather than just the what gear do you run through and how much reverb you use and etc. It's going mm. to be less about the gear and less about the, the tricks and more about the psychology of music. Fantastic. Mm. I'm really excited to listen to it. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, well, that'll about do it for us, I'm pretty sure. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Thank you to Nick, of course, for coming on. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and you can uh, find us on Facebook, uh, My Songs Suck. We're on Instagram, My Songs Suck. Uh, Twitter, My Songs Suck. I think it might be My Songs Suck podcast. My Songs Suck podcast. It shows how much I know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you to That's Not Canon for having us on the show. And uh, Alex? Uh, well, yeah, if, if you wanted to hear Nick's fantastic work, you can check out uh, Your Man Alex Smith on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes, and uh, Guilty is the one that uh, Nick worked on. I've also, if you wanted to see me and James in the flesh world, uh, we'll be at the Milk Factory on uh, May 18th. We, did, we will, we which will. Which will be next Friday when this comes out, and uh, we'll be playing a gig, going to have my full band. It's going to be sick, um, not including some terrible... Uh, calamity from the time of recording to now. But that's the plan. Hopefully. Can I I just say one more thing, Alex? Go for it. Following up from what you're saying is I work with a bunch of independent artists and if you follow Make Music Not War on any of Mm -hmm. the different social medias, I'll be making sure that each of their stories is on that, that, that page as well, those pages as well. Because one of the things that I find is you make music with these people and then that might be the end of it. And one of the things I wanted to do is make sure that everybody I worked with, their story was heard, their songs were heard, people actually got to listen to their music. So um, I'll be pushing artists that I work with all the time and just saying, hey, this is Alex. He does great stuff. He's his EP, et cetera. Oh. You know? oh, thank so, you. Well, yeah, we'll, um, if you let us know how your project goes, we'll, we'll keep the My Song Suck people up to date So what excellent. you're doing as well. All right, Fantastic. well, we'll leave, we'll leave you all with um, another song. Uh, this is what's, well, yeah, this is uh, a new beginning. This is uh, Nick's song that was featured on the NBC police procedural drama Life. Uh, this, is, this was the, uh, the big song. Fantastic. Well, did, did you have anything brief to say about it, Nick? Before no, that play? was the big song. It's not the newest song that I've written, but it's, it was the biggest. So there That's you go. Have a, have a listen. It'll make sense. Well, let's listen up and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks. See ya. Cheers.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 